Hi guys, so today we have Tom Davis joining us, AKA America's Canine Educator. Uh, you see his mug all over YouTube uh, on his channel and dog training business, Upstate Canine. And we are very, very excited to chat with Tom. Hey. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Good. I can't see you, but I'm doing good. How are you doing? There we go. Good. I can see you now. All good. Awesome. So um, you're in upstate New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in upstate. So a lot of people think, you know, New York, they think Manhattan, Brooklyn, city skyscrapers. And I'm actually closer to Canada um, than I am, you know, those the, the city. So very nice. So, Tom, you're pretty much everywhere. Like, you go on YouTube, <laughs> search anything dog, you got, you got the real estate <laughs> yeah. on all things dogs. Can you tell me um, where your passion for dog training and dogs came from? Yeah. Um, you know, like, dog training for me has evolved. I mean, it's, it, it never started off as dog training, of course. Like, a lot of other people, my passion for dogs was always there. Um, and it still is, of course. And when I was little, when I was like a baby, you know, we have pictures of me when I was really young. We don't know exactly how young, but like three or four, you know, running around with a little diaper on, um, just a little kid, just rolling around with puppies, just always kind of mingling with them on the ground. Um, and as I progressed in, you know, my life, they were always a big part of me. Um, my parents divorced you know, at an early age. So, you know, my dogs were like, you know, I, they're my best friends. So like my parents were always working or whatever. And so for me, you know, dogs have always just been a big part of my life from when I was little. And then, you know, as I graduated high school, kind of tried to figure out what a lot of other people do with, you know, what they want to do in life. And when you're, what, 17, 18 years old, and somebody asks you like, hey, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? You're like, I don't know, man. I don't even know what I want for, I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. Like, I don't know what I want to do when I'm 60. So, you know, I tried, I tried some college, like some local colleges and yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I, I just didn't like the, the idea of somebody or something or some system having a cap on what I can do creatively um, in all aspects of just capping anything. And so I, I, I remember it specifically, um, I got a dog. His name was Saint at the time. Uh, he was six months old and he passed away. He was a St. Bernard. Um, I saved up a bunch of money. I was, I was, I, I can't remember. I was young. I was probably 20, 19, 20. Um, my mom kicked me out of, I, my mom kicked me out of my house cause I got a St. Bernard and I remember her telling me I'm not, I can't have a, I can't have a dog in my house that requires them to back up out of a room, you know? So, uh, so I lived at friend's house. Um, you know, I worked minimum wage jobs and he passed away. He ended up passing away super young, six months old. It was absolutely devastating. Uh, I didn't want to do anything. You know, I worked really hard to support my own apartment for my now new puppy. So I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. And so it just kind of evolved, um, into where it's at now. But that's really what pushed me as I was done with community college. I was working dead end jobs. I worked at Applebee's, you know, just stuff like that. Um, you know, in the back of the kitchen, not really just doing what I loved. And so I just remember one day my brother was like, you know, you really need to do what, what would you want to do every day for the rest of your life? 
And with the devastation of the puppy and with everything going on and me just being, you know, and I, and I know it sounds cliche to say like, I was that guy at a party that was hanging out with the dogs. And I really was like people, I would walk people's dogs just because I, I wanted to. Um, so I've always had this strong, strong, like connection with dogs. Um, and so that's when I was like, all right, well, I'm going to start working with dogs professionally. And so I kind of took that devastation of my puppy because my puppy died like very traumatically. I was at my friend's house. I was showing him to my kid, uh, my friend's kid, um, kid's siblings. So they were young kids. And I was like, come see my new puppy. Like, and at this time, a six month old St. Bernard, you know, he was big, but he was still a puppy. He was got big chunky paws and he just flopped over dead. He just had a heart attack and he died. And I remember just, it was like this whole thing. So it was really devastating. So I just was like, all right, that's it. Like, I want to, I'm, I'm not going to, like, I don't care if I make any money. I don't care if I can't pay my bills. And I didn't, I, I literally got evicted from my place. I was living in the, I have pictures of me living in the backyard at my best friend's house um, in South Glens Falls and up to New York where I lived. And I literally was just like, I'm, I'm going to work with dogs. Like I just devoted, I just made that decision to just say like, you know, my best friend's dog, I'm living in the back. I'm literally living in a tent in the back of, cause you know, my mom kicked me out and I'd have a place to live and blah, blah, blah. And so that's really how it like evolved. I started a dog walking company. Um, it was really, really tough because this was, and, and, I, and just so you know, I go off track a lot. So I, I, I do a lot of different things. Um, so if there isn't any time that I go too off in the deep end, just let me know. Um, but, you know, at this time in my life, like Instagram really wasn't a thing. It just was starting to come out. Um, so there was no, I mean, your local pet sitter was just somebody who did it on the side. And I was like, I really want to take this seriously. I really want to be the best of the best of the best um, with education and providing the community and blah, 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 blah. So that's what happened is I started my dog walking company. And um, it's kind of, you know, I mean, there's, there's a whole ladder system of, every, you know, the steps of where I'm at today, but that would take a long time. But that's pretty much like how I started working with dogs and why I continue to work with dogs. Awesome. Very, very cool. You must have really loved that St. Bernard to <laughs> oh man it was it was devastating like it sucked so bad it was so hard it's just because like you know when a dog passes away when they're old it happens you're expecting that but when a dog that you've derailed your entire life for passes away has a heart attack in your arms you know it's yeah it sucked but like i said you know it really pushed me here i think everything happens for a reason i'm a big believer in serendipity and just going with your gut and just really prospering off of things that you feel innately. And at the time I was like, why, you know, like any other young, young adult would be is like, why would this happen to me? And so, yeah, it sucked. Mm -hmm. So how long has it been since you initially started your dog walking business? Um, I started, I think in 2009, 2010, um, is right. Like when I professionally was like, I started taking money for it, you know, like before, like I said, I did it, you know, for fun. I just love dogs. I love my dogs, you know, just like any other dog lover. Right. I'm, I'm not special. I, I just, you know, I was a dog lover and I just decided to pursue it as a profession. So that was 2009, 2010. So now looking back 10 years ago, 11 years ago, how does it feel? Um, it's crazy. I'm, you know, it's crazy. I take it, I take it day by day. 
Um, it feels, I'm proud of myself because I had a lot of people who really told me there was the stupidest idea in the whole world to go pick up dog poop for money. Um, my friends really didn't support it. My family kind of supported it. And so I think I'm proud of myself for sticking to my passion and, um, you know, I just love the opportunity and I'm grateful for the opportunity to just help dogs every day. So, um, it's still an ongoing circus, but I feel, I feel good. I feel proud of myself to kind of go that route and be able to work with dogs and help dog owners. Awesome. And when did you start um, using your, using social media? Yeah. So again, like I said, when I was started the dog walking company, I just remember like Instagram started. I don't know. I don't know when Instagram started to be, it, that could have started in 2005 for all I know, but I remember people my age started using it around that time, give or take a couple of years. And so, um, you know, I, I had my personal account, I had my business account. And so I would always just upload stuff. Like I, I would always just upload like, Hey, you know, just helping people, you know, just like, how to put on a like how to put on a collar, how to put on a leash. Hey, I'm out with my buddy Roscoe today. He's doing really great. It's a beautiful day. Like I've always had this kind of POV vlog style, like social media. Um, I, and I didn't really know what to say ever. I was just like, Hey, you know, and I didn't care if there was one or 100 people watching. I was just really excited to just do that with social media. But, um, so that's kind of how I started is just I had my personal account and then I had my business account and, um, that's where things started, you know, with that. Mm -hmm. What was your first YouTube video? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> um, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure. A long time ago, a long, I think, I think my page was started in 2013. Um, so that was probably like my first video. And I just remember, um, and if the, and if, and if the question is, is, when was it? It was probably 2013, 2014. Mm -hmm. But what was the content like? Right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. I didn't, I didn't want to answer that <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah. Um, so I think for me, it was like, and, and it is still true today that I just am so desperately exhausting, losing, you know, not losing sleep type of person of just that one dog owner, like, getting ready to make that call to the, to the, to the vet to euthanize their dog or drop their dog off at the shelter. And that constantly spins in my head like every second of the day, because I've seen it happen over and over again. And so I, I, I set up a video, I set up my, my, my phone at the time, which I don't remember what it was. Um, but I set up my camera, it was on my phone, probably like an, you know, iPhone five or something. And uh, I just set it up and I just, no microphones, no lighting, just, uh, just a video of me helping a dog owner. And I put it up and I, you know, and that's, that's what it was. It just, that's, it's how it, that's how it started with me and how it is now. Things have changed a little bit, but you know, that's, that's what it's always been is I don't want to be anything other than somebody, you know, I don't make videos for anybody other than people who are looking for help. I don't make videos for people who want to critique dog training. I don't make videos for dog trainers who don't agree with certain things. I make videos for dog owners who are just about ready to euthanize their dog or get rid of them. And I know for a fact, because we have a log, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of dogs that were saved from that call or that drop off because of those, 
videos. And so that was like the context of the video is a little camera. I think I set it against like a water bottle or something on, a, you know, on my desk, no cutting, no editing, nothing, you know, and that's, that's really just how it, how it started. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love to, uh, it's so cool to look back at uh, the progression of it all. Um, and now today, like when you're shooting your videos, what does, you know, the setup look like? Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I have, you know, now my, my, my staff is, everything's changed. Like everything's changed for the better. Everything's changed for the progress and really things, you know, so I have, I have like a personal staff and then I have my business staff. And so, um, so now it kind of, it, it's, it's evolved. So it just depends on what I'm doing, where I'm filming, how I'm filming, what I'm filming, but now it's more of a production. Now it's more of, you know, somebody around, uh, quite a bit. And, um, now it's more of an actual production because, um, more people are seeing it. And I want to make sure that we cover all bases again, the same reason why I started, you know, in 2000, whatever the heck it was. I just want pe- I want people to know. I want, I want people that are like desperately clicking away at their keyboard at night because their dog just bit their boyfriend and I want my video to pop up and they go, I can take something from that. So now it's like, it's a lot bigger production than it was for sure. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, Raven Canine Training asked, um, how do you deal with online hate? Oh my gosh. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so, oh, such a good question. It, um, I deal with it by not dealing with it. I think it's hard. It's really hard to talk about this because... <clears throat> Um, we're dealing with dogs. So I'm not going out shooting videos of my friends being stupid, lighting off bottle rockets and drinking beer, right? Because that does influence people. But at the end of the day, they're human beings that make their own decisions and whatever. But with dogs, um, I get it. Like, so how I deal with it is I just understand that the loudest people are the people who aren't going to agree with what you want and, or what you do or what you, you know, what you represent. And so it does, if I literally cured cancer tomorrow with this pen, I would still get hate for it. Um, Anybody who does anything on any level, on any scale to the general public is going to get hate. You're, you're going to get people that are going to criticize you. They're going to tell you you're wrong. They're going to tell you it's not how you do things. Um, they're, going to, they're going to call you out on very special days. They're going to find your schedule somehow, and they're going to try to ruin your day. They're going to try and f- – that's why my, I keep things semi-private and my circle pretty tight because, um, you know, it just it is what it is. When you get, when you get to be reaching some people at a – you know, it's, it, it happens, and that's why it's this very scary thing. It's like part of me is like, oh, my gosh, so many people – or help, you know, getting help and learning. This is just euphoric. And then it also exposes you. So you just have to be careful. And it's one of the things that I talk to, because I do a lot of coaching for dog trainers who are um, either trying to get into social media and or dog trainers who are just, you know, how do, what do I produce? What do I put out? What content do I put out? Um, and I'm not a guru by any means. I just, pe- people find those questions for me. And I just tell people like, you got to be really careful about, um, 
your your mental health because it really comes down to your mental health and being stable enough. And I don't care who you are, how tough you are, um, whatever. Like it it does take a toll. And um, people try. People are nasty and mean and um, disrespectful, and they'll do anything that they possibly can to try to bring you down from whatever platform or pedestal or high horse you are on. Um, so dealing with hate, you just have to be, you have to be, I think it's, it's authenticity, just making sure that, you know, your general mission statement comes from a good place. And it comes from my heart. It comes from my passion. I literally cry during sessions. I'm like, I, I get goosebumps. Um, people are thanking me way more than people who aren't by a hundred to one. Um, so I think, just understanding that if you're putting content out on any level, you're going to get hate and you have to be able to just stay true to yourself. Um, I have a pretty, like I said, I have a, I am very fortunate because I have like an inner circle that, and you know, my family's kind of like social media esque. Um, so there's other people in my family that um, also produce content for, for things. And so um, I think just talking about it with people that you can trust um, having good friends that you can lean on um, in the dog training world is also like um, invaluable. Um, but I, I think, I think at the, I can talk so much on this because I've, you know, I, I get a lot of it. I get a lot of it. Um, and I think, at, like I said before, there's a respectful, genuine way of somebody saying, instead of putting out a video or a post about maybe somebody disagreeing with what you do, not necessarily me, I think it's I think it's really important for people to read between the lines to say is that person just upset because you're creating content or does that person generally like want to help you you know understand how they're doing things and so you know I've had some really 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 fantastic conversations with people who disagree with everything that I do but we respectfully walk away privately I would never ever 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 in a million years take somebody else's content and push it to people to say this is, unless it's, you know, unless it's hor horrifically abusing, to push it to other people to critique that person in any way, shape or form. Um, because it's, it's, it's not, that's not a, like a, a grown up thing to do. So you have to, so my point is, is you really have to audit exactly what these hateful things are coming at you, how they're coming at you. And just being real with yourself, taking a deep breath and going, no, nah. and just walking away, you know? So um, that's, that's my TED talk on that. There's so much to it, but it's a great question. It's, there's a lot of variables, but. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you um, brought up your mission statement because I, I think a lot of the times, you know, when you're growing a following and you've had success, it's easy for people to target you. Um, and it's also easy for you to, for a person to kind of, um, lose track of what the what the goal is what impact you're making um yeah so like how do you stay ground grounded yeah it's another wow these are great questions um again just like you're my i'm i don't do this for anything other than helping people period don't care about any any you know i just you know there's a part like but i but i also like i've built enough tolerance enough to actually read I have, I have a good filter system. First of all, I have a team. You can't, and that's why, that's why with you, I, I, whenever, 
when somebody emails me and says, Hey, like, I want to, I want to get you on this or get you on that. I'm so bad at getting back to people. If I schedule something, it's in the wrong spot, which I've, I, I'm like famous for doing. So I think also just your, your mind and your headspace is such a, it's so delicate. Um, and so again, if you're putting out content, you just have to stay grounded by delegating situations and delegating people that, um, that you can filter things out to you. So you don't you're downright just like bad people and they want to hurt you. And um, so staying grounded has a lot to do with your mission statement of understanding the end goal. And the end goal is, is if I can put a video out and help one person, I'm going to keep producing content. Um, and then also just, you know, there's, you know, and like with anybody else, it doesn't matter if you make candlesticks or whatever, it's just understanding mental health in general. I think, I think it's not a dog training thing. I think it's just, you know, dog training is this such polar, it's very political. It's very polarizing. And if you are sought after in any way, shape or form, or, or are giving people advice professionally at a, at a, at a scale, there's a target on your back, like immediately. So grounding is just, you know, exercising, um, meditating, taking really deep breaths, just understanding your mission, mission statement and just knowing that there's a big macro picture to what you're doing. And um, again, I think, uh, you know, having a good team around you and just staying true to who you are. And I, I just put my head down and I just, I just go to work. That's all I, that's all I do. I, I try not to mess around too much in the comments. I try not to see what people are tagging other people in. I try not to get into the politics. I mean, everybody has their day where they just go, nope, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go in on this right now. But, um, so I think the groundingness just has to do with just understanding, just educating yourself and helping yourself figure out how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, I also like that you pointed out your team because I think that's really hard for, um, people to also kind of, um, let go a little bit and trust, um, trust people to kind of help you with something that you've created. I'm sure, you know, you've started it was just you and yeah. now you have, you're taking on people and you really gotta have yeah. that there so yeah it's huge it's huge um switching gears a little bit can you talk to me about um the no bad dogs podcast sure yeah i was gonna ask you why why aren't you recording these conversations this would be such a good podcast because i know you you do this with other trainers and Oh my gosh, add it to the list of yeah. things to do. Right now, um, I just obviously uh, save it through Instagram and then I'm putting it on YouTube. Um, I think the reason why I'm not recording it is because I don't have the audio equipment set up. Oh, okay. You, yeah, not to give you unsolicited advice, but I think it would be brilliant for you to do because this like format, you know, like having two people talk about similar things that other people are interested in is like so good for like people who are on the road. And I don't know, I think you're really good at what you do. Um, you know, I've watched some of your other interviews with my friends and stuff. And so um, I think, you, I think anyway, um, the No Bad Dogs. Yeah, of course, you're, you're talented at what you do. I think it's good. Um, I think No Bad Dogs podcast um, that started. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't even know when it started three or four years ago. And I just wanted kind of like this, right? Where, where I, I had the, my time and energy, um, training styles, tools, equipment, um, politics, things like that. So I talked 
to a lot of my friends, but it originally started because I started recording my conversations with my online consulting service. And then I'm like, Hey, this is basically a session, an audio form, same thing. It's just not video. And so um, the podcast, you know, it's, it's been, it's, it's interesting because I, I don't, I don't manage it enough. I don't spend a lot of time on it, but it, it still like is always, you know, doing it's winning awards and it's on ch charts and stuff um, for Apple and it's crazy. So really the, the no bad dogs podcast is me conversating mostly with my clients who I work with online. Um, and I'm just putting out an audio format where somebody comes in and says, I have a problem with my dog and these are the things I'm going to do to, to, um, you know, or, or, you know, asking those questions. And I just walk them through that just like I would like a face to face. And I put it out. And I think it helps a lot of people when they're, you know, vacuuming or traveling or whatever. So again, you know, my end goal is, is to help people. And so if I can produce content uh, via audio, uh, and, and I think also to, not that you asked this question, but <laughs> I think also to like, there's, there's something to podcasting that allows me to also get a little bit more intimate with the person, the people that I'm speaking with. When I'm doing like video format content for the most part, it's, it's the camera at me, I'm not at the camera, mostly. Mm -hmm. So like, like with audio, um, with some of the podcasting that we do, it's really just an intimate way to, to communicate with the people who are listening. So I really, really like that too. Um, and it gives me like a longer form content um, abilities, which is nice to change a pace for me because usually it's, Bang, 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 put it out, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, the audio, there's so much less distractions. You can really listen yeah. and take it all in and, and really. Um, yeah, and people. Spread it out. Yeah, absolutely. And people also, like I was, I was listening to this podcast about how human beings actually take information in video, video via audio is different. It, it goes through different channeling in your brain. And that's really cool to me too. So again, you know, just pushing, pushing the no bad dogs movement and pushing like, if I can call one of my friends who also trains dogs, I'm like, Hey, let's talk about this. And then it helps somebody one person and it didn't cost me anything. And it just was my time. It's awesome. It's really cool. Well, I love the podcast and you're really killing it with all of you, all, well, thank all you. different platforms. So Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Good work. Thank okay. you. Coda, the working dog. What are, what are your thoughts on positive training versus balance training? Well, my, to answer the question, balance training, there is no difference really. Uh, positive only training is different, I think. Uh, and I, and I know that that's the question. I'm just being a smart ass. Um, geez. Um, well, balanced dog training, I think, uh, is something that comes natural to human beings. Uh, it comes more natural to dogs than, than anything, but it comes natural for human beings to also teach in that way of operant conditioning. Hey, buddy, good job on your test, but you also, you know, spit on the principal. Therefore, there's some sort of punishment for that because you can't do that. Or running across the street and possibly getting killed by a car. I, I need you to understand that that's not okay. So like, I think balanced dog training, uh, I mean, and without, you know, going into too much detail and then the positive only training is obviously positive only, but I think the bigger question is, is, um, it, I think it really comes down to 
the variances of these things. And that's why I personally, I, you know, I don't even really call myself a dog trainer. Um, hardly. I, I'm, I try to like zoom out wicked big, you know, I'm like, I'm just a dog guy that, you know, has a knack, you know, they have it, you know, um, and I just try to help people. Um, and I try not to, I try to, to not take myself too seriously. I think, I think, um, you know, so I think, and my point is, is the balanced dog training community It's it's so very ballistic and so polarizing because, you know, it's just like politics, right? You get left, right, middle, you get somebody from the right that does something completely against anything that anybody would ever do. And it makes that party look bad or vice versa on the left. So um, it's, it's really hard answer uh, or it's really hard question to answer. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, I let dog owners make the decision on what style of training they want to do. Um, The only thing I would say about the big differences is I just don't love the idea of certain dog trainers telling people that there's no other options in doing things with their dog. That really, uh, it it really is just disgusts me to be honest um, because so many dogs die every year. More dogs die probably because of that than a lot of other things that are, expected for dogs to be euthanized for. So yeah, that question is like way, way deep. So um, my thoughts are, as I'm a balanced dog trainer, I believe that dogs have a wonderful opportunity to learn with positive reinforcement. And I use probably 95% positive only training. Um, and then there are some positive punishment equations and some, some punish, you know, negative punishment, all these different things that I do use in my training. So um that question is so in depth that I, I can't even really get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really like you're training people though, at the end of the day mm-hmm. and how, how people um, train with their dogs and how uh, they want to see their dog grow. Because I don't think you can um, fully grow if you aren't taught what is wanted or what is right not and um i think the safety component is the most important thing Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's yeah it's huge it's so huge and i I think you know and i try to you know just tell you know every day i'm like you know and i get it gets overwhelming i'm sure for people and people are like all right dude shut up like we get it but you know i just care about it so much that you know i want people to know because i don't want them to kill their dog because they are listening to one person who only has one way of doing things. That's the only thing I have a problem with, with positive only training. Like I think it's good for certain situations, but I, I really, it, I, it irks me when, if something doesn't work for any trainer, it doesn't have to be a positive only trainer. It could be a balanced dog trainer who's using tools improperly or, you know, whatever. And they're like, yeah, you can't do anything else. Your dog's ruined. So I just have a big problem with that, but everything else. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you care about your dog, you have to instill balance to them to make sure that, you know, what they've possibly done that could kill them is wrong because we care. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a whole freaking rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, also, e-collar. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about the e-collar and um, why you are such a big um, champion of the tool? And then also maybe some of the... Um, some of the issues um, that you've kind of run into with you being so open about e-collar use and what a great tool it is. Yeah. Great question. Um, So I can tell you a quick story. My, when I was dog walking, 
my St. Bernard, my new St. Bernard Thompson, he's a lot, he's now 11. He's around here somewhere. He, um, I was on a walk with one of my dogs and he went with us and we went out over a train track and like this, you know, and, um, we went over and then my, my St. Bernard was off leash cause he generally listened. He was younger at the time. So, you know, he's an intact male. He's a little squirrely, but so he, and this was again, way before, I mean, I'm, I've always trained dogs cause right. If you have a dog in your hand, you're training that dog. So, but I wasn't a professional dog trainer, but he was, you know, kind of play bowed me in the middle of the tracks. Right. Just kind of did this play bow. And I'm like, no, nah, dude, let's like, don't like, let's go. And, um, and then I just saw he just kind of took off, you know, did this bouncy thing and just kind of ran. And I turned to my left. I saw this big light and I go, that's a train. And so I started running after him and I had sandals on because it was in the summer. I had my dog that I was walking on the side of me. And when you're on train tracks, they have probably a foot uh, of big boulder rock in between the actual wooden tracks, right? Like this. And he's running. And just so you know, like almost everything that I've, that the way that I do things in life, it was a hard lesson of, you know, so he's running and I'm running and now I'm chasing him. My adrenaline's going, I'm on, I'm literally, you know, in sandals and I'm literally running after my dog. And all of a sudden I just hear this, right. And I'm like, what is, and I can feel the ground start to shake. And he's probably 10 feet in front of me. I turn around and all I saw was this big ass light, like getting close. And I blacked out completely. And all I remember doing is I had two options. Die with, die with my dog, like two legitimate options. Die with my dog to try to save him or I try to get him off. And I was like, I'm not losing my dog again, but I might die for him. So I risked my life. I rolled him off. I kicked myself off the bank. The train is violently shaking because it's trying to stop. There's smoke going everywhere. It's loud. The dogs are, I'm clenching both the dogs like this. So they're trying to bite me because I'm clenching them so hard. I'm, I'm also looking at my legs to see if I still have them. Swear to God, like your instinct, like you wouldn't believe how calm I've been in like really bad car accidents and situations like that. You wouldn't believe how calm your subconscious becomes when this happens. When you literally are like genuinely about to be uh, dead, <laughs> no other way to put that, uh, your body kind of just slows everything down and you just kick into this really you like crazy mode. It's, it's, unless you do it, you can't understand it. So I pulled him off, I'm looking and I'm like blown away. I get both my dogs, I'm like, sh like I'm shooken up, obviously. I'm walking back to the house and I'm just in disbelief. I'm like, I'm, I'm checking, I'm like, I didn't like, and then I just hear this, hey. And these two guys with a clipboard came out and they're like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm literally looking at myself so they can tell me because I was just in shock. I was like, I think I'm okay. I'm like looking at, I'm like, can you tell me? Because I'm like not in a good state of mind. And I'll fast forward really quick. But so they go, we have a cow uh, pusher in the front of our train that sticks out about six feet from the front of the train. Once something gets past that, there's about a second because it's all math equation, basically, because they have to do reports. Mm -hmm. And that's what they had in their hand was a report to write of something that happened. Mm -hmm. So they had this cow pusher and they said, you got about one second before you hit that thing and you were in between that gap. And they said, 
were so happy. They had paperwork to fill out that, you know, that something bad happened, right? That close. So the e-caller came into my life. I said, holy crap. Um, you know, and, and so I looked, I, I love my dog more than the next dog lover. I'm, I'm a dog lover way before I'm a trainer, way before I'm an educator, way before I'm a professional. So I said, holy crap, that was the scariest thing in my life. Um, so I looked up off-leash training at the time. I met um, my friend Janine Lazarus. She's an English lady who now lives in West Virginia. She was one of the Monks and New Skeets head trainers for many, many years on their e-collar program. I spent, that's where my training started. Um, and so I, I knew nothing else than dogcha e-collar training off leash. And I said, thank you so much. You've changed my relationship with my dog. Um, and so that's how the e-collar started with me. I never wanted to either risk my life for my dog and I never wanted to see my dog get pulverized by a train. Um, dark story, but I think, you know, it's, it's reality that I didn't just buy one. That's what happened. I mean, I literally, that's why I got into it. Um, and so that's, that's how I got into it. And then from there, uh, you know, as far as like the advocacy thing is I'm so genuine, like I didn't know there was politics and dog training until I started putting out content on e-collar. People were like, I can't believe you would do this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like the best thing ever. What's going on? I was so just ignorant to, cause I wasn't in the industry. And I, that's why I'm like, you know, I, I really like, it's like a love hate thing. Like I love I'm grateful to like do stuff like this and stuff, but at the same time, it's, it can be so toxic. So when I started putting videos out on the remote collar, then I had to like, you know, go back in time and, you know, study everything I could to do the best I could, you know, Michael Ellis and blah, blah, blah. And just really understanding more about it. And that's really, so that's my advocacy story about why I got into dog training. And I advocate for it because I know that there's a lot more people out there that use tools than people who don't. And so I know that I'm speaking to a bigger, larger audience who really wants to get help with their dog. Um, and I'm trying to modernize that as much as I can. And I, and I also think that, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have the platform that I have to change people's minds on these things. I know that I've been involved with different government agencies in different countries, video wise and content wise, and, you know, working with Dogtra, being on a board to represent proper humane color stuff. So I'm a big advocator for it um, because of those reasons. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that a lot of people, you know, in Europe where the e-collar is banned, um, they must reach out to you and say, you know, I want to get an e-collar. I can't. How do you deal with that? Yeah, all the time. Um, it, well, there's, there's certain in, it's different. I have a lot of clients in Australia and I know that the different States in Australia, like you can have them and some you can't. Uh, and I know in like the UK and, and other places and Europe and um, it, it's really kind of like locally state, state localized uh, rules, but for the majority of like, you can't have them. The way that I deal with it is I just, you know, I go over, you know, I share my sympathy. I have like this spiel of why they're illegal where you're at. and It's probably a better reason than not, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, so I just share with them other opportunities to, you know, do a re reliable recall for the, for the best that they can, as responsible as they can, because that's what they want, right? They're, 
they're asking me questions about the ban of e-collars mainly because they want to do e-collar training or off-leash training. And so I just give them alternatives to help with that and give them a, a dose of reality of like, this is the reality of it. So these are the things that you're going to have to do. So I, I help them out in those fashions. Mm-hmm. So you're not uh, Pablo Escobaring. Uh, no, <laughs> but I've heard some pretty crazy stories of people getting e-collars and different and prong collars. Like the prong collars is crazy. Um, and we ship stuff with our, our merchandise. We ship stuff all over. And so we deal with customs a lot in Germany and Australia and the UK. And there's certain things there's, you can do it, you know, certain ways and people are anyway. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, it seems like you have a, a good um, handle on how you deal with it though. Yeah. Um, and thank you for all the work that you've done with the e-collar. Uh, the e-collar was something that I was um, hesitant about uh, because I wasn't educated because I've never used an e-collar. And having worked with a trainer who taught me how to use the e-collar and how to apply it with Reika, I mean, it's a total game tra- changer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm really glad that. I'm, I'm glad. That's, that's great. Good to hear. I know Ruger Titan Nisha says, thank you. She won the dog trough from your giveaway. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. Bailey Bassett. Most, what's the most important component to raising a social, but neutral puppy. Mm, So social, but neutral would probably mean a dog that can be around people and other dogs, but not excitable. I'm assuming ish. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, like every other trainer says, genetics matter because they do. It's like a foundation of where you start. Um, so uh, I think exposure is good. I think socialization in general is something that people, dog owners need to audit. You know, what is socialization? Socialization usually means like puppy playtime, go to the local bar with your dog, go to the coffee shop, go to a dog park. Like socialization doesn't always have to mean these things. Socialization can mean I think just environmental exposure to different environments. So they're learning how to be social. Like for an example, a great thing like at our facility, we have a group class. So our group class um, is a great structured uh, socialization class, which means you have all these dogs around and they're all controlled and they're all different breeds and different sizes and different sex. And they're all working on different things. You got reactive dogs, you got puppies and that socialization is responsible because everybody's under control and you have a trainer or two trainers in the group class kind of going over things. So that's my first answer to that is exposure. You know, it's, it's really just influence, right? So if you have your kid and you're like, hey, go hang out with this group or this group, they're going to be a product of that. So I think um, the, I think that the other side of new, being neutral has a lot to do with maturity as well. Because I think a lot of dog owners think it's neutral as I want my dog to be chill and social. I want my unicorn dog that just sits there and doesn't care about anything going on. And a lot of that has to do with maturity, just like with people. It's like, when do you think my baby's going to stop wearing a diaper? It's like, it's going to happen at some point. It just takes time. They need to mature to learn how to do things. So I think with the the neutrality of it and keeping your dog neutral, and, and I think that that's equated to just calm, it comes down to maturity, breed, Obedience training uh, obviously is a big part of that, but the other side to that is is also just what I call structured um, structured uh, socialization. Um, so that's what I would recommend. 
thank you for that. Um, okay, my GSD is aggressive to some dogs, but with most of them, they play. Any advice for control? My GSD is aggressive to some dogs, but not other dogs, basically? Yeah. Um, you know, it's... And first of all, it's like, you know, with dog training, that's why it's, it's, it's difficult for any dog trainer or educator or anybody in the field because there's so many variables. Every dog is different. That's why some of these lives are, you know, difficult for some dog owners. But I think at the end of the day, really auditing your expectation. What do you want? Do you want unrealistic? Do you have unrealistic goals? Do you have unfair goals? I want you to get, hey, dog, I want you to get along with everybody. I want you to get along with everybody no matter what happens, no matter what dogs do to you, no matter how fast and hard they come at you, no matter if they try to mount you, no matter if they try to bite you, no matter if there's food around, no matter if the mom and dad are sitting there on the leash holding the dog back as they're reacting, I want you to be okay with everybody. So you really have to take a step back and audit your exact expectations of what you want. And I think a lot of dog owners are too hard on themselves and they, and they, they portray this, my dog has to be good with every dog all the time. And if they're not, there's a problem. That's not the case. We don't like everybody. Dogs don't like everybody. You just have to understand your, your expectations. If your dog doesn't like certain dogs, but 80% of the dogs they do, you're good. So you also have to advocate for your dog to also make sure that you're, I always, I, I, I picture like Sherlock Holmes. That's what I tell people I am. I'm like, I'm going to be Sherlock Holmes in this. You tell me all the information, like a case, and I'm going to sit there I'm going to put these smartsy glasses on and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to take everything down like some sort of big shot investigator, you know, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to bring out all of this information. And then I sit there and I go, where are the variables? Is it females? Is it intact males? Is it on the leash? Is it off the leash? Is it at the dog park? Is it overly excited dogs? Is it, um, you know, all these things. So I always recommend dog owners to try to really pull these isolating factors out that make the reaction happen. Because as soon as you can figure out where the leak is, or as soon as you can figure out where that fire is, you start putting it out. Because if you're just, I don't know, it's just crazy. I go out and we see 50 dogs because we live downtown LA or San Diego or in Manhattan. And sometimes they like dogs and sometimes they don't. So you really have to be an investigator to figure out the isolation, to figure out what your dog is going to be okay with and what your dog isn't. My St. Bernard is an intact 11 year old dog. He is not to be around any males at any given time for any reason. And if a dog's coming up and I don't know if they have something between their legs or not, I'm avoiding that situation because I don't want to set my dog up for success or for failure. So, you know, it's like, I think, I think the other thing, like I already said, is just your dog doesn't have to like everybody, period. Don't feel like you're failing and don't feel like there's a kink or there's a problem with your dog if they're not getting along with, with another dog. It's totally okay and natural. Like, imagine if we all just loved each other. It'd be weird as hell. Like, so weird. Mm -hmm. uh, question, how do you recommend breaking up a dog fight? Back leg pull. That's worked every time for me. Because so can you, can you uh, yeah, so that? so yeah, <laughs> um, yes, because I've broken up a lot of dog fights, so you grab, uh, so typically, and I'm not, you know, I, I know, and that's why, like, by the way, I call like I've made this brand America's Canine Educator, I don't know everything, I'm not the best at anything, I just know a little bit about a lot of things because I've worked in so many different levels in dogs. 
shelter work, animal control work, protection work, pet work, uh, all that stuff. So for me, there's some things that I really know a lot about and dog fights is one of them because I've seen them a lot because I've volunteered at daycares and I volunteered at shelters and I've watched, I've studied and studied and studied wolves and coyotes and I've been there. And so the best way that I have found to break up a dog fight is typically and historically when dogs attack or they, um, and we're talking about a fight, right? We're not talking about, right? Um, like the video of the two Malinois doing that thing and the fence gets taken away and then nothing happens. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that. It's insane. It's so great. There's literally these two, I think KD Matthews posted on his Instagram. I'm not sure. There's these two Malinois that are literally going batshit at each other, like crazy. And there's like this little fence and the owner just takes the fence away and they just sit there. So anyway, it's funny. If we're not talking about a, a reactivity or a squall or something that we see in daycare every day where they're like, bam, and the other dog cries a little bit and they run away. We're talking about a dog fight. Typically that dog is wanting to kill that dog. If it's a fight, like they latch on and they're serious about it. They're all front like this. They're very frontal, frontal, frontal animals when they do something like that. So they bite and they hold down and they shake or they rip up and down and they're all like front chested. If you take their back legs and pull them out, it takes them out of that thing and they try to regrip and you can pull them away. And the other advantage to that is, um, is you don't need, sure, I can say, well, you go out and you find a hose or you go out and you find a bucket or you go out and you find a rock. It's something that you have every time when there's a dog fight, you have their back legs. So if you can pull their back legs, um, that's the best thing to do. But, but, but that's, again, I, I say that, but yeah, but cause this is how social media works. Yeah, but Tom, what if the dog is pinned on the ground and the dog is, you know, getting, you know, blah, blah. I mean, these are just these quick little grabs and you can just pull the dog out that way. That's the best way I found that's worked. And it's never not worked for me, knock on wood. Okay. What advice would you give those who have dogs at home that begin to start fighting after years of getting along just fine? Again, finding out if there's an, a trigger finding out if there's an isolator. Did, did we bring another dog to the house? Did we get somebody fixed? Um, did we bring a baby home? Is there something going on with relationships within the house? Uh, has the exercise changed? Has the diet changed? Um, so it, there's no on and off answer to say, Oh, you just, you, all you have to do is go in their ear, whisper this potion, and then they stop. Like, I try to tell people, try to really figure out why you think it's happening. And if you can't, and you're like, no, it's completely out of nowhere, um, you, have to, you have to make a decision. You either say, I'm going to devote enough time to train these dogs to coexist with each other. Um, man, you know, and people do that all the time, like police dogs, working dogs, protection dogs who aren't friendly with anything or anybody. They live, they create and rotate their whole life. They're happy. They have a good quality of life because they're working. So I think just making a decision as a family or as a couple or as a single dog owner to say, this is something we're going to be able to do. We have time for, we have the energy to train, um, to make this work, to keep our dog. Or if you feel like this dog's quality of life is terrible, um, on both ends of the spectrum, because the other dog is also getting their butt kicked, which is devastating. I hate seeing that. You get like the older dog that is been there for a long time. And all of a sudden the other dog just wants to kill that dog because they're older or whatever. That's devastating to me. I'm like, you really need to not only advocate for the dog that's attacking, but the dog that's getting attacked is more devastated than anything. So just making a decision, we're either going to try this with a trainer, 
hiring a trainer to help, or you're going to make a decision to say, I really hate to do this, but it's better for my dog to just rehome my dog, maybe to, um, you know, uh, a better home that's more suitable. Mm -hmm. Someone said um, an alternative for breaking up a dog fight is um, putting a finger in the anus. Or <laughs> <the fight. laughs> yeah, sure. I've never, I've never tried that, but I mean, I, like, like I said, the, uh, the legs have always worked for me. Okay. Um, my two-year-old shepherd mix is reactive to everything and everyone. Is the Doctra uh, e-collar a good option? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's like, you know, it's kind of like having a doctor be like, hey, like I have these symptoms and this medicine feels like it's good. Is it okay if I go out and get this and take it? It's like, you should probably come in and talk to me about it, you know? So like, I, first of all, I would always suggest people use remote collar for any behavioral issues. I personally think that if you do your research and you, you spend enough time, you can do proper e-collar introduction on obedience by yourself if you know what you're doing and you take it slow and you read the books and you watch the videos. But when you're dealing with behavioral um, modification training and you're dealing with that type of stuff, it's, you have to hire somebody to help you because the e-collar is powerful in every sense of the way. That's why it's so successful is because it creates this new technology to the mix. So the answer is yes, it certainly could, but there's also a lot of ways you can, there's probably, there's probably, if you do it by yourself and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to, you're going to make things worse probably with the e-collar. Um, I, I have had people message me and they're like, Hey, you know, it's worked. I'm like, mm, I'm glad it worked. But so I, I would personally, a hire a trainer, B, uh, the e-collar could definitely help with those things, but really, really, really look into hiring a trainer that's qualified to help you with it because you could do a lot of, um, damage to your dog's psyche by just putting it on and not knowing what you're doing. Okay. We got a lot of COVID puppies that came home this last year. Um, what tips do you have for separation anxiety? Yeah, um, separation anxiety uh, is, again, it's one of those things. It's like it, separation anxiety um, in a dog owner standpoint, right? Like when, we t when I ask a dog owner what their dog knows and they know sit down, stay and wait, but they only do it for food. You know, that's what they think. Um, there'll be, you know, that's what they think it is, but it's actually, you know, the dog actually doesn't know those things. They don't know that capture. It's not up here in their bank. So my point is, is, um, separation anxiety is something that like is severe. Um, so you have to make sure that that's exactly what it is. First, is your dog being a brat? Is your dog just like, Hey, pay attention to me. Don't leave. Um, or is your dog actually, I talked about this with a behavior this one time, you know, the separation anxiety is defined usually um, by the dog actively maybe trying to hurt themselves to get out to you or um, pooping and peeing and chewing up the walls and really just having severe anxiety. There's low cases of that too. So it's a big spectrum, I guess. So you have to, again, there's a template here. Um, you, you, have, you have to figure out and audit as a dog owner exactly what it is before we just say separation anxiety. That's what it is. Um, but for the most part, what I tell people is you, you have a dog, you know, COVID, everybody got a puppy. You couldn't even get puppies, you know, during the pandemic. So you just have to start treating your dog like a dog and, and treating them, start giving them structure. If you work nine to five, but you're not going back to work until June, well, you should be leaving your dog 
at nine or at eight thirty or whatever to start that routine to start getting away from the dog to start to desensitize them to things uh anxiety for the most part and in, in my experience in my opinion has really been predicated off of lack of exercise and not enough structure from the dog owner dog same thing with reactivity dog owner comes in looking like a terrible freaking mess and really they're just bored um so exercise is big, um, structure is big, not treating your dog like a, pa- uh, a cabbage patch kid and talking to them all day, carrying them around in your hands, just really making sure that your dog has enough to be secure about. If your dog is anxious, that means that they have a bad, unhealthy codependency with you more than likely, unless, again, it's this genetic thing or whatever. I mean, <laughs> that's why... For me, I, I'm, I always catch myself when I say something broad like that because I'm like, wait, somebody's going to make a, like a post about how I said this one thing. You know? So I'm always careful about that. Um, but generally speaking, anxiety, separation anxiety is created off of lack of exercise, lack of structure, and not setting your dog up for success for realistic scheduling. If you work from home, it's an advantage. But what if one day you don't work from home? Your dog is going to be pretty pissed. So, you know, pushing them maybe to a doggy daycare, pushing them to a dog walker, letting them stay in a crate for a little bit of time so your dog can start to normalize you leaving them. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it's probably very difficult for you to respond to every single question you get um, because there's such a deep psychology like with dog training and it's like such like, you know, it, it's, a lot very in-depth behavior analysis um what is the the number one thing that you tell all your or um the top maybe like top five things that like every new dog owner should um know and implement into their lifestyle like uh like crate training or um like walking on a leash um, Mm -hmm. Like things that are like non-negotiable. You bring a dog home, your dog should do this. Yeah. um, Specifics, I'll tell you, but I think just in general, understanding that what is specifically with puppies, not, you know, I know that wasn't the question, but just new dogs, but puppies in in particular, because I think more dogs when they come into a home are going to be puppies. Um, Understanding that that dog is going to be not a puppy anymore. So if you're letting them jump on your lap, you're letting them jump on your guest because you think it's cute. You're picking the dog up. You're not leashing your dog. Um, you're not creating structure. You're letting your dog pull on the leash. The mind is the same. You know, every single thing about the dog as they develop is going to remember those. Pre- Just like with kids, this is what we did as a kid. This is what I develop into. I mean, the sh- I mean, structurally, behaviorally, human beings are fundamentally built, you know, at a very early age and dogs grow mentally a lot faster, obviously, than we do. So whenever you, people ask me the question all the time is, um, as a new dog or just a puppy, like, um, when should I start training? When's the best time to start training my dog? I'm like, now, yesterday, like I, I, I started my Dutchie at like six months or I'm sorry, six weeks. Cause I knew the breeder and I've, I've been, I, I literally raised her. Um, huge advantage, but don't, it's never too late to train your dog. It's never too early to train your dog. There's just certain things that you can and can't do depending on obviously them as a dog. You can't, you can't, you know, there's, you, you get the idea, but never too early or too late. Just start somewhere. Um, but the things that I really, really tell people is 
understand that they're a dog, um, making sure that you do realize that, that they're not just something to cuddle. And when you go to work, they sit there in a pool of pee and anxiety. Um, understanding that they do need education. Uh, human beings start from pre-K all the way up to getting their master's or doctorates in, in college. They spend the quarter of their, some people spend a quarter of their life on education just to make it in the real world. And we all speak the same language for the most part as human beings. And nobody speaks dog. And we are living with animals with four legs and a prey drive that, you know, can ruin our lives pretty quickly. Yet a lot of people really don't spend the time to give them any type of formal education. So starting your dog off in some sort of puppy class in the beginning is really a good idea. Um, and then try to figure out what you want your dog to be like when they're older and make sure you start paving the way for them for that. Like I'm really big about ignoring my puppies and ignoring my dogs. And that's just in general. I think ignoring a dog creates a lot of confidence. It creates a lot of, <sighs> when I work with really bad dogs that have several bite histories, you know, like any other behavior mod trainer, they've worked with five, 10, 15 trainers. Oh, and I just completely ignore them and go for a walk with them. And they go, <sighs> so I think just people need to understand that dogs develop differently. And the more that we walk through them and the more that we don't talk to them and the more we don't constantly try to give them affection and attention and things that are selfishly displayed on our ends, the dog will be happier. They're not going to be constantly looking for you to let, you know, lay next to you all the time or have social or have separation anxiety. Um, and again, you know, crate training is going to be big. If you feel like you're going to crate train your dog later. Um, one thing I find, and this will probably be the one of the last ones, but I think the, the one thing I find is, is if you travel, you go on vacations, you're a busy person and starting your dog off with a routine to state, like for me, for an example, I travel a lot. More than 65% of my business is on the road out of state working with dogs. And nobody stayed with my dogs ever because I was always home. And so when I leave, it's kind of stressful for them. So that I always tell people, if you're busy and you're going to travel, start your dog off with a dog walker, a pet sitter, go away for the weekend, whatever, or start. We have dogs in our daycare that have been coming to us for a long time. And when they come, they're home. So when mom and dad want to go sit my ties on the beach for two weeks, their dog is happier almost at our place than they are at home. So that's another thing I think is completely missed, mislooked is because we see a lot of dogs that people get into a pinch and their dog, their, the dog sitter can't come over, the neighbor can't come over and they need somebody and the dog comes in and shakes like this and won't eat for a week. And I feel terrible because it could have been avoided. Mm -hmm. I think that that's, I, there's a lot I can go on literally all day, but that's a handful. That's a great answer. So important. Okay. I know we have a ton more questions. Um, where, what's the best way to get in touch with you and upstate canine? And do you have an online? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So like, you know, my company uh, and my trainers do the majority of the training uh, at the Upstate Canine Academy. So you can contact us, you know, via email through our website. Um, but if you want to book like an online consulting thing with me, uh, there's in my Instagram, there's just like a book now tab that you can do. Um, I do those pretty much Monday through Thursday, three times a day forever. Um, so they're in there. So if people are, unless I'm traveling, then it changes. But um, yeah, and yeah, that's, that's it. 
And uh, with all your different um, platforms and, you know, just your overall busyness, what's next for Tom Davis? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I still feel like I, I, I haven't made a dent in what I want to do. Um, I've, you know, there's been freaking 10 TV deals on the table. There's been... Um, we just got a new facility, which I have never announced until just the second. Um, so we got a new facility. Uh, I think what's next for me is still trying to figure it, to figure out the best way to continue, um, you know, educating dog owners. So I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I think that that's the best platform for the things that dog owners need. Um, so that's what's next for me is continue to, to make content, um, and help as many dog owners as I can. Cause I feel like I've done absolutely nothing yet because that's just the type of person I am. Um, so that's, what's next for me is just continue to do what I'm doing, put my head down, work really hard, um, and make content for dog owners who want to, you know, or need help. So well, keep up the great work. Thank it's you so a much. Lot of work. I don't yeah. think people realize how much work goes into it. Yeah. So well Thank done. you. Thank you so much. Of course. It's lovely chatting with you and getting to know you. Absolutely. It was, it was, this was great. I really, and I, I really like doing these things cause I, I, it takes me out of like, you know, the norm of like, you know, answering everybody's questions all the time or going live about a subject or something. So I really uh, do appreciate you having me on too, because it, it allows me to talk to somebody, um, you know, with, you know, about dogs. And so it's, it's a change of pace that I really appreciate. I'm grateful for. Um, so thank you for having, so what, just really quick, what do you, what do you, are you a trainer or? No, you... I'm not a trainer. So I am, I'm just a dog owner. I'm a first time Malinois handler mm. and um, got Rika, uh, who's a year old um, in April of last year. Um, I have, uh, well, I, had a marketing media agency in LA. And um, once COVID hit, my company was rocked. The clients had to end their retainers, you know, large companies with big overhead. I was um, working with doctors and beauty offices. Businesses. Yeah, who have, like, yeah. you know, 30 employees. Like, yeah, so marketing media is the first to go when you're about to be shut down and sure so um that was a huge loss for me uh, i love working and i i love what i do so um it was kind of twofold in the sense of like okay now i like i'm not working i'm not like my agency is like basically done until i don't know when all of this is going to be over. Um, and like, I really need to have purpose. I really need to like be working on something. And I found myself like very much kind of like in this weird space. I mean, I think a lot of people in COVID that lost their jobs or just at home, like really had to um, find ways to like get out of their head and like do something. I mean, I think a lot of people had the, the rug just pulled out from under them. And um, for me, like training Rika uh, was, was such a gift because I was, you know, going outside, getting exercise, um, educating myself, learn, like really, th I 
threw myself into the whole dog training world, like really wanting to learn as much as I can and finding so much joy in that. Um, so I, I feel lucky because I am able to talk to dog trainers who are very, very experienced and know their stuff and like talk to talk to you guys as like as just a regular dog owner. I think there's a lot of pressure on dog trainers because everything has to be like so perfect. Yeah. Like, you know, God forbid, you know, you can't even speak about the prong collar or e collar without somebody jumping down your yeah. throat. You know? Like for me, I feel like I it's I I can keep my page way more fun because it's just us, you yeah. know? And like, this is what we're doing. This is, all right, we introduced the e-collar, like we're just doing us. And so um, kind of went off on a tangent, but. No, I, I was interested. I wanted to know, cause I, I you know, I, I, I didn't know, you know, exactly what you did. And I, I think that that's a good point. And I think that's the other thing too, on, on you know, in social media and content is, you know, this whole cancel culture type thing is scary for creators because I'm a different human being from what I did yesterday, let alone five years ago. And I'm constantly learning. And I'm, you know, I'm not the type of person that's going to say, you know what, I've changed my mind on, um, you know, on, on different styles and techniques. I'm going to go delete everything that I disagree with now. I just, I grow as a human being. And, and I think that that's great that you, um, are doing this because, um, you know, the dog, especially in the balanced dog training community, it's, it's, it's not as, um, you know, I think that there should be more praise and, and, and working together because, you know, there's a lot of loud people out there that are trying to, um, you know, tell you how to do your job and whatever. And, and, um, so yeah, so it's glad, it's good that you're doing this, you know, because, um, the camaraderie of balance and I have a ton of friends you know, in the dog training world that I talk to regularly, um, you know, and, and it's great because we have these kind of closed doors discussions about, you know, what we're doing. And, um, and so it's good that you're publicly like bringing this together on your platform. Um, so other dog owners and dog trainers can go through and, and look at, you know, I'm sure you have a ver vast ver array of different types of training and um, people on all sorts of different levels with what they're doing. So it's really cool what you're doing. And I, uh, I was just, yeah, I was just interested, you know, in what you did because I, I didn't, I wasn't sure. Well, thank you. And I mean, it's also been great connecting with people online. You know, I think we all missed community yeah. and, and like, you know, face to face interactions. And, um, so I have absolutely loved like getting to know people through, through Instagram and through having, our dogs and loving our dogs. I think one of the coolest things about my page, and I, I re really realized it today, but the demographic is so diverse. Like, it, it really is. Like, mm -hmm. in like the the, the, the trainers, like the it's the owners, um, and like but everyone is able to connect and like celebrate dogs and like not be so wrapped up in like, Oh, you do this. Oh, you must think like that. Yeah. Um, you do. And I, I feel like that it's just, that's such a dangerous thought pattern to be yeah. stuck in that. Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think it's like, 
and it's the same thing with, you know, and that's how I feel like the balanced dog training community is too, is like, if you get a following or you create a following, or if you have followers, you're automatically put into a box of, well, they must be a joke then they must be, you know, they're not serious because if, if they were serious then they wouldn't have that, you know, whatever. And that, and it's the same thing with like other trainers who don't have any, like some of them, some of them, some of the most skilled dog trainers that I've ever seen that I would just drool over, don't even have social media. So I think you're right. I think you're right in a, in a sense of, you know, the, especially in the dog training community. Cause I think in, in so many people are like, you know, it's not about anything other than the content that you're putting out. And, you know, so I always tell people like, don't, you're not, you know, there's so much more to life than what you've chosen as a career. Um, and so your career isn't your identity where if you're a dog trainer, when you wake up and you go to the grocery store, people are like, are you a balanced dog trainer or do you use, you know, and sometimes I get caught up into that too. Um, you know, wearing merch and things like that, where you, you kind of get caught up, like nobody cares, dude, like literally nobody cares. And sometimes you're, it just kind of takes over um, as, as a social media, you know, just being on social media. And so I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's such a weird thing. And I've, I've also seen kind of the, the evolution of people being either really big or really small and not having some sort of representation of how skilled they are, which drives me crazy. Cause I think that there's certain, there's certain clicks and there's certain things that, you know, they don't, they don't empower other dog trainers. They don't say, Hey, you know, like when, when, um, uh, canine intervention came out, everyone was like, yay or nay, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, that's a balanced dog trainer mm -hmm. on a huge platform. Everybody should be applauding and lifting that dude up because it's not about, you know, the money that he may or may not have gotten or the, or, or the, the notoriety or whatever. It's like, dude, this is a guy that's on just spreading messages of, you know, balanced dog training and things like that. And I, I got kind of, it's just such a toxic place. I was on just scrolling through social media and people are like, this guy, this guy, this guy. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to look at a way bigger picture here. This is a guy that's on Netflix using prong collars, e-collars, slip collars. And I've, you know, I don't know him personally, but like, you know, I know I, a lot of friends know him. He's, he's skilled at what he does. He, he does good work. Um, so, Hey, you know, what the heck are we doing? And I, and I see that with me too. There's, you know, different dog training clicks and things of like, you know, whatever. And it's just crazy. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm really happy um, that you're creating this camaraderie and you're not, you're not taking, you know, you're not sectioning out different people or, or anything for the way that they train or, you know, whatever. So that's cool. It was a pleasure to be on here. It's really fun. Thank you. So nice to meet you, Tom. And um, I'm going to message you on the side about uh, the podcast. I was just going to say, I'll, I'll send you a picture of my setup. It's right here because you, you should, I mean, I, I'm no, I'm not giving you, you know, I'm not pushing you, but like you really should. Cause you could take, you could take this audio and just put it out and people can listen to it. They don't have to watch it live or uh, yeah. whatever. So anyway, okay, yeah, message me. Yeah, send it to me because I want to set it up. And thanks for everybody um, for, for hanging out with us that are still here. We appreciate that. Um, and again, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Thank Have you. a good night. Bye.